Hello, how's it going? Did you name a sensation? I'm Joshua Troop, and it is the best day of the week because we are talking reminiscence. We are also talking three really exciting movie trailers that I can't wait to, to dissect and share my thoughts about. Will probably be a short video. Thanks for the follow, Haas. Uh, probably will be a short one, but. Uh, we, uh, if this is your first time listening to the show, just want to remind you there's many ways you can find us Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts sold for free. Um, looks like my connection just went out. Very cool. Um, let's see if it reconnects on Twitch. Um, <laughs> I, I've been having this problem a lot lately. Um, I'm hoping, hoping it reconnects, uh, here um with the beginning of the videos but like i was saying if this is your first time listening uh we have the audio only format app podcast spotify or wherever podcasts sold for free also uh you could join us live on twitch.tv slash unanimous indecision and hopefully the connection is more stable than it is right now uh but you can hop in the live chat share your thoughts and theories about whatever it is we're talking about whatever movie whatever tv show all that kind of stuff there's also a lot of other things going on over there that you can join us and just have fun in the community and spread the conversation that's kind of the whole point of this uh so i just um the flow of the show today's show is we talk a movie Today's reminiscence, uh, the Hugh Jackman and uh, Rebecca Ferguson, I think is her name, uh, their movie. And then we will talk this past week's movie news. Not too much news um, because CinemaCon happened. Um, so I'll break down some of the things that went down there. Um, but mostly we'll be talking about those three uh, Disney, Star Wars, Marvel trailers that were really exciting, really hype and uh should, should be a good one so to talk about reminiscence reminiscence is a movie that when i first saw the trailer for it i got really excited for it i watched it and i was like oh is this gonna be like this could be like an inception level movie and and that's kind of where i was at with it i was like it could it could have that kind of effect it could i mean the, the way people were talking about tenet i mean both christopher nolan movies so maybe had this movie been directed by christopher nolan we would we would have gotten something like that but I just felt like the setup just felt very uh, similar to that. I mean, it was kind of a simple concept. Uh, guy is trying to track down missing ex-girlfriend or something or girlfriend. She, one day she just disappears. So he's trying to track her down. And so he's doing this by like searching his own memories to see if he missed anything. Uh, because in this world, they can just see a visual representation. They can relive their memories. Um, and, and there was a lot of really cool ideas in there. Um, and certainly the world's pretty cool. All of the, the crime that's going on and the drugs that have hit the market. Um, but then overall, um, also as a reminder, I spoil everything. Um, it's the kind of conversation you have around the water cooler at uh, work or the lunch table at school, wherever you talk about movies and TV shows. Um, so I just wanted to let you know. Uh, also, uh, the, just wanted to check something real quick, but, but the world's really cool. And, and the dynamic of how he kind of works with the police is cool. Um, as this, he's not really an investigator, but, um, it's really interesting because they talk about how desirable this, like, 
this product is, but at the same time, they're still just trying to meet, make ends meet. So there's that interesting balance that the world's like that bad that, um, because it is a very niche market. I mean, not everyone believes that you should go relive those memories. You should, some, some people just think you can let them go. Um, or you should let them go. I should say, um, and the reminiscence, uh, I want to look something up real quick. Um, and seeing it all go down and the way he discovers the things I think are really cool and the new information and, and it's all done really well. Um, I mean the opening sequence, uh, itself being a memory, uh, I think was kind of cool. I, I think it made a lot of sense. Um, but, uh, Tandy Newton's character was such a good, a good different driving force in this film uh, because even though her and uh, Hugh Jackman's characters, they have like a lot of uh, history together. They both served in the wars or whatever. Um, even though they have all this history together and they work together, they obviously are very appreciative of each other's company. They, there's a moment where he totally like yells at her and sends her away and whatnot. And if you really look at that scene, I think, it, I think arguably that's probably the best scene in the whole movie. Uh, mostly because it can be so easily misconstrued, but uh, let me get some water real quick. It can be so easily misconstrued, but if you really look at that scene, it's all of the anger all they're they're yelling at each other so much in that scene and a lot of hateful words are said and um they end up never seeing each other again in the movie i don't think until technically the very end but uh if you look at that argument they have you realize that it's like all out of love um that he's like really trying to tell her it's a tough love moment for sure but it's like, hey, you know my problem and I know my problem, but I know your problem and you're not admitting to your problem. Um, and so he kind of shoves it down her throat that like, hey, you're running away from your problems. And yeah, it ends up being a huge wake up call for her. And she's able to get her life back on track to a place where she would be happy with it. Um and he understands that this path won't bring him happiness, but he has to, he has to go down it. Um, and then I don't know. Overall, though, the movie it was kind of boring. It was kind of disappointing. It was. I felt like it didn't have to be as linear as it was. It didn't have to be as straightforward as it was. And don't get me wrong, as like a, a mystery thriller, they were like teasing information at a good rate. But like you have this really cool technology where the viewer won't be able to distinguish whether we're following a memory or it's actually happening. And yet pretty much everything's actually happening or it's very obvious when it's a memory. And so it's very straightforward. But I think there could have been a lot more mind tricks on the viewer that would have given this uh this movie an awe factor maybe would have made it a little bit confusing but i think it would have given it an awe factor that would have been exciting um 
So then, um, and then to get into the ending of it, where basically, I mean, it's, <laughs> um, I do really like all of the, it's a little on the nose because they say the exact story, but I don't think, I will say I wouldn't have made the connection um, to this story and the story of Orpheus. The story of Orpheus goes his, uh, I don't know if it's his wife or the woman he's in love with dies. He goes to the underworld, makes a deal with Hades, says, hey, let, let me have her back. And Hades goes, all right, fine, you can have her back as long as you never look back, but on your way out. So you have to have the faith that she's coming, that you just have to have the faith in it. And sure enough, he looks back and so she stays behind and he dies alone. I think, I mean, I guess we don't know the ending of the story, but that's the assumption. Um, and in this story, they, they talk about like, oh, tell me a happy story. There are no happy stories. Just, and then they're happy in the middle. And so then she's like, all right, well then end it in the middle. And it's kind of the idea with this story is that like, had he just lived with the memory of her, um, he, he had a lot of happy memories of her, you know? And then the more he was learning about his experiences with her and her experiences in general, it made him very distraught and he learned a lot of things he probably didn't want to learn or didn't didn't know he would learn about and so when it all came to pass he, he was just growing more and more angry and unhappy and then it's not until the very end where he actually learns that oh she it wasn't just a con and that she actually she's also not a murderer and like like she wasn't a great person but she was trying to change for him specifically uh, and so there's a lot of things there that are interesting. Um, and there's basically one moment that you go, oh, shoot. But other than that, uh, and it wasn't that big a deal because it's like it, it, it's so much in the past, you know, <laughs> of the movie. And it was so nonchalant. That was like completely understandable the why he behaved the way he behaved. And then... Um, but yeah, so he eventually gets the cr the criminals that are responsible for a lot of these bad things, um, for like several murders and whatnot. Um, I think that's some that's done really well in the movie, though. Is that like there's a lot of stuff that happens towards the beginning of the movie that seems sort of as just set up for this world for these characters. It, it feels very much like that. That's just like oh, this is your average day. But then like literally all of it matters no, nothing gets unused um so that's that's really cool it's it's really like Chekhov's gun all over the place but uh that but in small ways just like characters being somewhat important again later in the movie uh so so that i think is done really well um it was a really well done movie i just think it's a little boring a little boring of a story um it's a little like slow it's a lot of just like thinking um I will say this movie is narrated and I frequently uh, talk negatively about narrated movies uh, and TV shows. I do think the narration actually works because of the explanation at the end um, that 
this whole thing that we just watched is the story that he's listening to for all eternity as his uh, penance for the murder he did. Um, Cause he kills someone and, but he also exposes all these other things. So basically instead of them throwing him into jail, he agrees to just go into his own memory forever. Um, and which is, I don't know. It's, it's not supposed to be a happy ending. That, that's what they keep telling us. He is Orpheus. He looked back. He, he keeps telling us the story of Orpheus who doesn't look back and that's, it's happily ever after, you know, that's great. But no, he's Orpheus. He looked back. He wanted to know more. He wanted to know the details. And that was ultimately his downfall is looking into all these things. And it kind of destroyed his whole life and his future as well. Um, so I, I think there were good themes. It's well put together movie. It's just a little boring, a little slow. Um, they probably could have, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what they could have changed, but cause I like the core of the movie. I really do. Uh, I just, and I even like the way it was executed. So I, I, I don't even know what I don't like. I, I just remember watching it and sitting there being like, is anything going to happen? Like, are, are we going anywhere in particular? Like she's gone, dude, you're, you're not getting a whole lot of evidence. Um, and then towards the end, it really starts picking up, but it's already towards the end. So whatever. I don't know. It just didn't like, it didn't feel as satisfying as I think it could have. Um, like Inception's really satisfying when it, when it ends. Um, and this, this movie had like a similar mechanic that I think you could have. I don't want to say just make Inception. I don't want to say that because I... I don't believe that's the solution, but I think you had a core story here that was good and was unique. Um, you just could have had more, more fun with it, I think. Uh, but yeah, that's my thoughts of reminiscence. Not too long of a review. Um, I, I don't know how long this episode's going to be in general today. Um, because there's not a whole lot to talk about, uh, but before I get into the movie news, I just want to remind everyone to rate, review, subscribe, follow wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, or twitch.tv slash unanimous indecision. Please do those things. Um, also like the Facebook page, join the Facebook group so that you get notified every episode that, that we post here, that whenever we go live. Um, so let's jump into these movie news stories. Actually, I just remembered second announcement. Uh, we do two shows here. This show, the Wednesday show, 6 p.m. Eastern time. We talk a movie review and then talk the movie news, which I'm about to get into. Um, however, next week, let me double check this because I think next week is September 1st. Um, and someone was telling me, oh, okay, sure. That's a good reason to do it. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, Twitch streamers not streaming on September 1st. I don't entirely know why, but I'm going to look into it and decide if I don't want to stream on September 1st. Um, I don't know if it's just, you know, break from Twitch or if there's an actual reason. I just heard that September 1st was a thing. So I got to look into that, um, figure out what's happening. If I don't do a stream on September 1st, I'll stream on September 2nd. 
uh, which will be Thursday. Uh, we also do the, a second show here, which will be Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we'll be talking what if episode three, really solid episode this week that I can't wait to talk about. Um, and Titans episode five. I imagine that'll be kind of a short show, but, uh, it'll, it'll be something, you know, something to talk about. So definitely tune in for that. Share your thoughts. Um, and let's, you know, let's talk about it. Uh, so to get into the news, we got to have our weekly update of the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit with Disney. Um, she calls the Disney response, um, misogynistic as the mouse house tries to move black widow's lawsuit behind closed doors. This comes to us from deadline. Uh, let's see. After initially responding to this litigation with a misogynistic attack against Scarlett Johansson, Disney is now predictably, trying to hide its misconduct in a confidential arbitration, said the Oscars lawyer, my bad, um, John Berlinski, uh, today after the House of Mouse's response to her scathing profits lawsuit went public. Uh, why is Disney so afraid of litigating this case in public? Um, it knows that Marvel's promises to give Black Widow a typical theatrical release like its other films had everything to do with guaranteeing that Disney wouldn't cannibalize box office receipts in order to boost Disney Plus subscriptions. Uh, wait, what? Wouldn't? I feel like I misread that. But um, yeah, this is exactly what happened. Okay. Um, and we look forward to presenting the overwhelming evidence. It's that person. Okay, that makes more sense. I just need to keep reading per usual with these articles. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's, I, I let me rephrase. I, I was going to say it's pretty weird. It's not weird at all. First off, like every company, when they get bad PR, such as this one, um, they, they, they whiffed big time on this one. Um, at least I think they did from what I know about it. May I don't know everything. So, um, may, maybe they are in the right. Maybe they did uphold their contract. I I've never read the contract. I just, have a general understanding about the average contract. Now, Marvel doesn't always sign the average contract, you know? And so, uh, so there's a lot of unique circumstances with this, but uh, going to the average, I feel like Disney's probably in the wrong. Um, and then the fact that they want to deal with this behind closed doors on average typically means that they're, they are in the wrong and they want to do a settlement maybe, uh, you know, so that's not, a full lawsuit they'll just uh quietly pay her off basically which isn't always a bad thing i mean it resolves the case quickly i mean uh so sometimes it's good um but uh yeah i mean i i don't think I, I don't think either side's weird. Um, I don't think it's weird that that Disney wants to do it behind closed doors because you know it's bad PR. So yeah definitely talk about it quietly and i mean the issue i think really though is that uh scarlett johansson supposedly tried to do this quietly tried to do this ahead of time and they were either unresponsive or just not willing or something i i, I don't know but um that's the way it sounded and so like she tried to do it the way Dis it would be beneficial to disney and disney didn't want to do it that way so now I guess why should she do it the way Disney does want her to do it? You know, like <laughs> why they didn't cave to her. So why should she now cave to them? 
I, I think is a good argument, but it's easy to see why they would want it. Um, and then she definitely doesn't want it because the more public it becomes, it's just going to be someone taking out a big company. So she'll definitely have public support for the, at least the first half of the lawsuit, um, depending on what comes to light. But yeah, so uh, supposedly, uh, still going through this article. Uh, Disney want what? That's not a full sentence. Uh, <laughs> the company's formal response also reveals that they and subsidiary Marvel on August 10, 2021, uh, Marvel and Disney served on Periwinkle's demand for confidential arbitration in New York. Um, August 10th was 15 days ago. So we're finding about this pretty late. Um, Scott Johansson's uh, lawyer team has not responded to that demand yet, according to Disney. Why would Disney reveal that demand? Huh. <laughs> Wait, so Disney revealed that they they wanted to they wanted to do it quietly and they revealed it because they weren't responsive. I guess that's um they're they're trying to show like, hey, we're willing to play ball, you know, let's play ball. But it's like it's easy to see why it's like tough for her lawyer team to to decide on that because it's like yeah you want us to play ball which is great now we've been trying to play ball but you want us to play ball on your terms which isn't necessarily a good thing in a lawsuit so <clears throat> so i could i could see why disney maybe would say that but uh you, you know what i mean like like they're like Hey, we reached out to them and they're not responding to us. It's on them. They don't actually want to resolve this. <laughs> uh, like that's one way of looking at it. Um, on the other hand, Disney did respond last night officially to Scarlett Johansson and her lawyer's interpretation of her contract with Marvel, specifically having seen executives, Bob Iger and Bob Chapex payouts in the actor's legal action, the company and its hired muscle uh center on what putting it the repeatedly pandemic delayed black widow on streamer disney plus as well as the big screen uh when the kate shortland directed film was finally released paid 20 million dollars up front as disney harshly reveled back on july 29th for black widow scarlett johansson has claimed she was promised a release that is exclusive to movie theaters so did she get the 20 million up front uh, the contract does not mandate theatrical distribution, let alone require that any such distribution be exclusive. It goes on to say, so that's interesting because that's the thing I've been saying that the contract would typically have. And if it didn't have that, maybe she doesn't have a case. Moreover, the contract expressly provides that any theatrical distribution obligations are satisfied by distribution on no less than 1,500 screens, which I imagine that Black Widow probably was distributed on no north of 1,500 screens. Um, that's very manageable for a big budget movie, I think. Um and even though Black Widow's release coincided with the global public health crisis, Marvel made good on its promises. So they're saying that the contract doesn't specify 
an exclusive theatrical release. It doesn't even specify a wide theater. 1500s kind of a wide theatrical release, I think. But um, hmm, that's quite a development, if true. Uh, Marvel discussed the hybrid release pattern decision with Scarlett Johansson Spring 2020. 2021, sorry, as the parties were conferring regarding the picture's release date. Uh, Marvel has assured Scarlett Johansson she will be credited with 100% of the premiere access and PEHV receipts for purposes of the box office thresholds used to calculate any additional compensation, even though Marvel has no obligation under the agreement to do so. Ooh, so, so there's a lot of layers there, and I'm going to try and parse that, um, I think. Uh, uh, but before I do, I, I'll, I'll reiterate um, some of the last points to solidify that point. Disney cracked open the door a little bit. Um, how much Black Widow actually made because premium access, 30 bucks. Um, so the picture has grossed uh, 367 million worldwide and then 125 million streaming and uh, VOD, I think. So. Uh, what what exactly were they saying though in the previous paragraph? Let, let's go through that because I, I actually think that's really interesting. So Disney's claiming that the contract expressly provides that any nope sorry the previous sentence um, there's nothing in the agreement requiring that a wide theatrical release also be an exclusive theatrical release. So I guess the contract specifies that it will have a wide theatrical release, but the lack of the word exclusive is I think a big deal. I think that is a big deal. Um, I guess unless there was like another sentence afterwards that was like, there will be no other means of distribution, but I doubt that was there. Um, so the lack of the word exclusive is a big deal. That's the word that I've been harping on that like the typical movie contract pre 2020 would say, hey, this movie has an exclusive theatrical window that could be up to, to 90 days. Sure, that's cool. Um, obviously the pandemic has changed a lot of those rules. Um, and we've seen a lot of commotion from HBO max Warner brothers side. Uh, we've seen commotion on the Disney side. Um, I assume that the, the quiet place thing got resolved with them. Cause that's technically a Fox movie, I believe, or searchlight, I think. And which is a Disney studio now. Um, so I think that one got resolved cause we haven't heard about it in months. Uh, but yeah, the lack of the word exclusive, I think might remove Scarlett Johansson's case. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know the whole story, but that's kind of the, the argument I thought they were trying to make. And if the contract doesn't say exclusive, you don't have much argument left. Um, the contract does not mandate theatrical distribution, let alone require that any such distribution be exclusive. It expressly provides that any theatrical distribution obligations are satisfied by a distribution on no less than 1500 screens and Marvel made good on its promises, meaning that it was distributed to 1500 screens, despite there being a pandemic, uh, which again, I, th I think is feasible for a big budget movie, uh, even in today, today's climate. Um, but yeah, oh my gosh, I, I might've flipped with, with this article i i'm interested to see what what comes next it might be beneficial for scotty johansson to deal with this behind closed doors uh maybe she'll get a little bit of a pay raise but but they even say that they don't technically have to give her credit for the uh, 125 million in streaming and vod box 
it's not called box office, but uh, profit revenue. That's the word. 125 million in revenue from streaming and download uh, because her contract doesn't specify for or against those things. Uh, so, so I think that's interesting. I mean, that, that is good on Disney that they're acknowledging that they definitely should, uh, regardless of this case, but yeah, I, I wonder, maybe she doesn't have a case. I don't know. I, I'm interested to learn more about that. That's why I'm really fascinated about cases like this. I mean, I was fascinated about this, uh, back at the end of 2020 when, uh, Warner brothers slew slew put their whole slate onto uh day and date releases uh onto hbo max i i was definitely curious about that uh but uh but that, that's what kind of interests me about this case is because i i think these are the kind of cases that like they're they're the, the Warner Brothers thing at the end of 2020 and then this kind of thing, which are I, I put in the same family of events, uh, they, they're all part of this shift um, in, in Hollywood to if, with the movie studios. Um, they're, they're all part of this shift that it was, I'll say largely caused by the pandemic. There's a lot of people that argue that it was accelerated by the pandemic. Well, whatever you argue, it happened during the pandemic. Um, and so they, but, but I think it's really interesting because we're, we're seeing a lot of things change. I mean, pre pandemic, like I was saying, we had a 90 day exclusive theatrical window for just about every big, big studio movie. Um, and then the moment that I want to say Paramount was the first one to do this, that Paramount said, hey, do you know what? Our deal with the movie theaters is going to be a 45-day exclusive theatrical window. And the, their deal was kind of after everyone else had been talking their day and date releases or their premiere access of this, that, and the other thing. They said, hey, 45 days exclusive theatrical window. When I heard that, I was like, that's going to be the thing that works. And sure enough, Disney has said they're probably going to start following that. Warner Brothers is now negotiating for their their movies to follow that. So, so all the movies theaters are following suit with this 45-day theatrical window. And it makes the most sense because it's the least different. Most people don't like change, especially when it comes to business contracts. And so before it was a 90-day exclusive theatrical window, then they changed it to day and date releases that's a massive shift this now being 45 days exclusive theatrical window okay you don't now have to get to that uh dvd stage but you get to a streaming stage which is really easy to port the movie digitally uh ian has in ian commenting in the chat live uh which you can all do on twitch.tv slash unanimous indecision. Has any studio tried to go back to a 90 day window? I don't believe so. Um, yeah, I don't think so at all. Um, I think the interesting thing is that how many days are we past black widows release? I think we're July 9th. Are we almost at 45 days? Are we at 45 days? I think that's the thing that's interesting. 
So that's probably 30, 37. I, I feel like we're just about at 45 days right now. And I'm going to, I'm going to pull a Disney plus right now. And ba basically this is the thing that I think is interesting is that even though Disney plus sure, they put it on BOD on the same day, it is a little bit different than, uh, what Paramount Plus and a lot of the other studios are talking about uh, that, hey, after 45 days, it's going to be available for free on their streaming service. And so, yeah, Black Widow still premiere access until October 6th, which is like a 60 day window, basically. Right. Oh, no, that is 90 days. There you go. That That's the closest to 90 days, right? Uh, all of July, August, and September. Yeah. So so that's the thing that I think is interesting is Disney Plus, they put Black Widow there. And even though a lot of these studios are talking about 45-day exclusive theatrical window, sure, it's on Disney. Black Widow is a little different circumstance because it was available day and date on Premiere Access, though. But after 45 days, it still won't be available for free with a Disney Plus subscription. Um, yeah, we're at 47 days now and it won't be available to October 6th, which is about 90 days. So like that to me is the closest to the old system that you'll still have to, uh, pay additional fees, I guess, uh, for that 90 day mark. But, but I, I'll be interesting to interested to see how, uh, Shang-Chi works. They said Shang-Chi will have an exclusive 45-day theatrical window. Will it then be available for free or will it then be f another 45 days of premium access? Will it be 45 days theater, 45 days premium access, and then free with a Disney Plus subscription? Or will it just be free with a Disney Plus subscription after the theater window? I'd be curious. I'm a little curious. A little curious. Um... But we don't know. I mean, every movie is kind of a first in it right now. I mean, um, but I think the way the other studios do, I mean, HBO Max, I mean, the, the day Reminiscence went to theaters, it was available for free with an HBO Max subscription uh, on the exact same day on HBO Max. Granted, an HBO Max subscription is double the cost of a Disney Plus subscription. Um, but I think Paramount Pluses will work uh, kind of the way I, I was describing is like, I don't know, best case scenario, I guess, uh, which is 45 days exclusive theatrically. And it's just no additional costs on the streaming service. I think that's a reasonable uh, setup for, for a studio um, rather than just all of these staged releases, which, but, but that's kind of how this industry always has been is that it's very staged releases. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the next news articles we have before we jump into discussing all those fun trailers is everything that's going on at CinemaCon. Uh, everyone knows one thing that happened at CinemaCon, which we'll get to. It's a movie trailer. But uh, we're going to talk about each of the studios. Uh, so to talk about Warner Brothers... Uh, they presented uh, some new footage of their theatrical slate. There was new Batman stuff, uh, new Matrix. The first trailer for the Matrix 4 
when's that going to drop, right? Like, Matrix 4's release date's still this year, right? So far, it's still December 22. So, wow. So we got to be getting that trailer soon, I imagine. Um, considering Spider-Man comes out like a week or two before that, we just got that trailer. I'm betting we we have the Matrix 4 trailer in the next two or three weeks. Um, also, the opening sequence of the Mini Saints of Newark, which I think is going to be a really good movie. Um, oh, the title of Matrix 4 is called The Matrix Resurrections. That's cool. Um, so we get Reloaded Revolutions Resurrections following the same pattern. I'm surprised they didn't call it The Matrix The Rematrix. No. <laughs> Um, also Clint Eastwood's new movie called Cry Macho. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot of other stuff, uh, teased five movie adaptations of DC comics, uh, some other stuff that they were talking about. I think out of all that, well, I guess the matrix four is really soon. So I'm super amped about that. that I can't wait for that. Um, man, that trailer is going to be awesome. Uh, yeah, so that was Warner Brothers stuff. Um, and then who else do we have? Oh, MGM studio. We don't talk about very often. One of the smaller studios. Um, they returned to CinemaCon after 20 years. They haven't been to CinemaCon in 20 years. They've been putting out movies still. <laughs> Um, they basically told everyone at CinemaCon, they told theater owners and managers, there is no industry without all of you. There is no Hollywood without all of you. Um, every filmmaker has a movie theater waiting at the end of their dream. And you've all made that happen. Um, we held all of our movies for you. That's true. MGM didn't, didn't cave on a single movie as far as I know. Um, the world is going to recover and the MGM slate will give us the optimism about the future, said the theatrical distribution boss, Eric Lomas. Um, Life ain't about how hard you can get hit. It's about hard you, how hard you get hit and keep moving forward. It's about how much you can take. Nice Rocky quote. Um, I'm trying to figure out what they revealed, though. Um, hmm. uh, they don't have too much, but there's a PTA film that they're working on, I guess. Um, a trailer for Channing Tatum dog movie, buddy dog movie called, you guessed it, Dog. Name a better title. Uh, <laughs> uh, Channing Tatum is a wisecracking army guy entrusted with the care of a now vicious German shepherd who was once a legend. Um, but uh, a movie called The Samaritan talks about a hero in hiding. Um, I guess it's a, about a garbage collector. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
But uh, what, what else they got? A couple other movies going on. A Joel Edgerton, Colin Farrell movie uh, for th- called 13 Lives. Is that the movie? Or On the Count of Three? I can't tell what, what movie these are all for. Uh, you hate the title of Dog. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, the, the big uh, thing that they're building up in no time to die which i think everyone is stoked for everybody's been waiting for that this is the movie that i think i'd argue this is the biggest movie that people were looking forward to i think that's true i I think this was uh the average most anticipated movie like i think on everyone's individual list and then you averaged them out I, i think no time to die ended up probably being number one out of everyone's list because you got like the Marvel junkies who would put that first, but then you got like the maybe the art tours who would throw a dune up there or, or uh, the last duel or something. But, but I think uh, no time to die always floated in everyone's top five. Um, and so, so everyone's super excited for that. Uh, I don't know how much more they released of the movie because we've gotten a lot of trailers for it. Um, and that is coming out. I want to make sure it wasn't delayed. Okay, still on October 8th for now. Hasn't been pushed yet. October 8th. So the same time you can watch Black Widow on Disney+, Plus, you can watch No Time to Die in theaters. I'm just saying, No Time to Die in theaters. <laughs> uh... The daughter of Spectre. Wait, are they considering? I forget the girl's name. The blonde Bond girl of of the Spectre movie wasn't she also in the previous movie? Uh, I thought. Um, are they calling her the daughter of Spectre because she's the daughter of she's the daughter of Mister White, right? But Mister White wasn't the head of Spectre. He was just an, an agent of Spectre, right? I don't I mean obviously like Mr the number 1 is is Blowfield is the uh Christoph Christoph Waltz's character um and then also a trailer for Ridley Scott's House of Gucci uh which has already been out there yeah uh, that trailer came out too long ago I don't know if I called attention to it I actually think that trailer looks really good um uh, looks really interesting a lot of drama um I don't actually know too much about the story of Gucci in general, but it seems pretty crazy. And that's why they keep making TV shows and movies about it. So, you know, always fun. Um, lastly, the main one I found is Sony slamming the day and date release model as devastating to the business. Um, they, hadn't been at, at CinemaCon since 2018, not quite as long of an absence as MGM. Uh, but they're they're back, they're celebrating um debuting movies simultaneously in theaters and in the home is devastating to our collective business. And I agree. I agree with MGM statements, I agree with Sony statements. I, my my opinion, I haven't been hiding it. Um and I, I welcome any, any arguments against it. I, I I'm not uh, be giving a negative. I'm not being negative about the opportunities that streaming offers. 
But I think you have to realize that medium to big budget movies or even just big actor movies, I guess. The issue with putting him day and date has nothing to do. It, it doesn't have to do with like the, 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 it doesn't have to do with the box office you see. It has to do with the box office you don't see. The issue is that, sure, would a movie probably make more money on, you know, recording websites like Box Office Mojo and the numbers? And w- would those numbers be higher if they weren't released day and date? Yes. But the reason why they would be much higher isn't because somehow in the math, in the scheme of things, streaming's cheaper. It, ha- it would be higher tremendously because of piracy. Think about some of the biggest movies we got this year so far. Black Widow, uh, Kong versus Godzilla, uh, Wonder Woman 1984, I think technically came out in December, but I'll still say it was this year. Uh, Those are some huge movies. um, And in a pre-pandemic year, maybe close to billion dollar movies. But I think the biggest issue from box office, don't get me wrong, I don't think they were going to be billion dollar even even if they were exclusive theatrically, but still released in 2021 uh, because of the pandemic. The pandemic does have an influence, but the... The issue why it, it's like so low is because of piracy. All three of those movies, I, I, it, as each one came out after the other, it was something like Wonder Woman 1984 in one week was the most pirated movie of all time or something. And then Kong versus Godzilla was the most pirated movie of all time. And then Black Widow was the most pirated movie of all time. And so it's just one thing after another. And you even see the same thing with uh, TV shows. Uh, WandaVision was one of the most pirated TV shows for like the first week of his release. And, and so like, that's the real issue with, with this, this just releasing it on streaming in general. But um, the, the theater keeps it out of most pirates hands because the pirates will physically have to go to the theater and film it themselves. You know, like that Seinfeld episode where Jerry, <laughs> uh, it's a great episode, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. And so the, the issue is just piracy. It's such a big factor of streaming in general. And so like you could, I'd be interesting to see, um, cause we don't talk about piracy too much with Netflix very often. And so I wonder if it's because that the people who want to watch Netflix things have Netflix and the people that don't have accepted that already. Whereas like MCU on Disney plus is kind of new ish new to this year. Um, And then also DC movies to HBO. That's a new thing. So, so I guess those are new. Whereas the Netflix thing is kind of sizzled down. Although maybe it's also that Netflix makes a lot of original movies. Um, And even the good ones like The Old Guard, it's still an original story. So maybe it's not immediately as desired as these higher, well-established IPs from a piracy perspective. It could be that. But I'd be curious to know what the numbers are still. Um, 
I mean, I'm a numbers guy, so I'm definitely curious what the numbers are. So let's talk these trailers. Let's get into it. I'm curious to know everyone's thoughts about it. We're going to start with Star Wars Visions. Um, obviously, this trailer's all over the place because I think it's nine different episodes and they're, they don't connect in any way. It's seven different storytellers. So I guess that means uh, two of them. No, it's it's nine or ten episodes. So two or three of them are telling two different stories, I think, or maybe two parters. I don't know. That could be cool. Um, I'm gonna pull up the trailer just so that I can skip through it so that I can remind myself what's in it. Cause because it was a crazy trailer. This trailer was nuts. Um, let me make sure I have it on mute. Nope. Okay. Um I still think this black and white one looks so good. It looks like a samurai movie, it looks awesome. Um, that's the one I'm most looking forward to still is that black and white one, but it's got, this trailer got me excited for a bunch of the other ones. Um, we see, uh, a lot of Kyber crystal stuff, a lot of Kyber crystal. That That's the thing that I think is really cool about this is I don't think, I, I think very few of them will shy away from like the, the star Wars lore of it all, you know, like the deep knowledge of star Wars. Um, I mean, we see someone like fixing their lightsaber or assembling their lightsaber or kind of like an um are they called mech animes is that what they're called um and, and it kind of looks like that and it's got that vibe to it um we also see this crazy uh dark side use force user i assume she's dark side she's wearing all black and has six red lightsabers she's got her regular arms but then she's got grievous arms attached to it that's gonna be so cool um i mean grievous was i i don't know a single person who like grew up in my generation that wasn't like grievous wasn't saying that grievous was the coolest thing ever um Grievous was scary he was intimidating he's just awesome um we see this one that kind of looks like a Luke Skywalker it may not be it's it's a blonde white kid uh, <laughs> with a blue lightsaber that's why I think it looks like Luke but um uh we, we don't know too much details about that yeah the genre would be mechas yeah um so that's kind of the way that lightsaber building one looks and it's got like the beats with every click uh, I, I think it looks cool. Um, I'm excited for that uh, kind of tone to to a Star Wars. Um, I, I think mechas could totally work. I mean, the amount of like ships there are, kind of that steampunky vibe. Um, uh, I don't entirely know what's going on in that one. We we see a lot of lightsaber battles. Um, we see this. I don't know if this is a pre-established species or if this arguably would be a new star Wars species. I don't know if visions is technically Canon yet. That's the thing. So I don't think it's Canon yet, but I think the ones that people have positive reactions to might become Canon and maybe they'll even turn into full blown shows. Maybe. Um, but like I was watching when they were showing the video like setting up visions back in December, uh, it was literally just like all the artists and writers saying like, yeah, we're such huge fans of star Wars. It's cool that we can lend our voices to the story. Um, 
Now, some of them did a little bit more than that, but to talk about this one before I get into that, uh, <laughs> uh, I can only describe it as a furry. It's basically this like fox cat character, um, which I think is fine. I mean, there, there's a lot of, uh, I, I don't think that's weird at all, actually. I think Star Wars, more than a lot of other fantastical stories, have species that are directly, humanoid species that are directly uh, based off of specific animals. I think Star Wars has a lot of them. Um, I mean, the Gungans are literally frogs. The Gungans are literally frogs. Um, Ewoks are kind of bears, you know, like they, there's there's a lot. Same with Chewbacca. Chewbacca's are kind of bears also. But um, uh, so we see that furry creature, um, that fox character. Um I can't tell if she's a fox or a cat, to be honest. I don't I don't know my animals very well. Um, but she's wielding a lightsaber, which is cool. That, that seems like it's going to be a cool like origin story, kind of, kind of a classical first episode uh, kind of thing. Um, this black and white one looks so sick, though. Um, following this i i wonder if it's going to follow it because i i think we've only seen red lightsabers in the black and white thing so i wonder if it'll be like a master and an apprentice on the dark side which will be a really cool dark story and perfect for like the samurai genre um you see this other one where they're walking and they have this floating droid uh, we have the holograms. Oh, I think that's the one that I say looks like Luke Skywalker. Oh, maybe they're doing a brother sister kind of story where the boy chooses the light side and the girl chooses the dark side. And I think that's the six lightsaber one. I think that's also the one where there's a shot at the end where she like eats a kyber crystal or something. Um, there's a lot of droid things. All right. I'm at the, the clip where this is my problem. I'm all for this idea. I think it's a cool idea. If you tell stories that like are kind of already in star Wars, uh, th that was a poor way of wording it. I think, cause I don't want them to retell star Wars stories, but, but tell star Wars feeling stories. My issue is that the people who made Astro boy, obviously they made a very financially lucrative product. It's very, obviously very high quality. It has a ton of fans, but the story those people chose to tell was literally just putting Astro boy into star Wars. The character looks identical to Astro boy. Why not just make him look different? Prove that you could do something else. Why, why are you trying to turn Astro Boy into a Jedi? Like, what's the deal with that? Like, instead of joining this world, you're like, oh, I'm coming and I'm bringing everything with me, you know? <laughs> like, like you're, not, you're not telling a story that services the universe. You're telling a story that services yourself. You're, you're, you're in, inputting your your individual creation into it rather than something that services the universe. Um, and so that's kind of, I'm, I'm a little frustrated with that. Maybe it'll be a really good story though. I, I don't know. Um, I hope it is. I hope it turn. I hope I turn out to be wrong and it's just a really great story. I, I hope it's the best episode, you know, like um, there's this other one where really intimidating droid. Um, you can kind of tell which episode, like which 
episodes seemed which shots seem to be from the same episode because the art style in just about every single one of them is different um we see someone catch stunning blaster bolts which i think is cool because it's very recent that we've seen force users catch blaster bolts uh with like darth vader and uh, they they were always doing like variations of it but to see it actually frozen i think the first time we saw it was in the force awakens which i think was really cool um, and now we see a force user stop stunning rings, which I think just looks cool seeing that suspended. I hope he throws it back at them so that they get stunned, you know, just like, um, was it Darth Vader who catches them all and then sends them back? I, I don't remember. Um, oh, also in Star Wars theories, fan video, Vader vid video, he, he has Vader catch a ton. Uh, which I think is cool. Uh, there's that old man with the crossed red lightsabers. Again, the black and white one. Oh, there we see a green. No, no, those are blasters in the black and white one. That's the other thing that's really cool about the black and white one. Because the whole thing is black and white until the lightsabers come out. When the lightsabers come out, the lightsabers are still red, green, what whatever they are. They're still the colors of the Kyber crystal. but everything else is black and red. And so it makes such a, such a statement on the scene. Um, this one, uh, I assume everyone wielding red lightsabers is a dark side, um, dark force user. Um, and this one person's got like this staff with this, like he like extends it into like this umbrella with eight arms and they all have lightsabers on it. It spins really fast to de deflect blaster bolts, which I think is kind of a low skill level move if I'm being honest, but it looks cool. Like obviously the person who's actually deflecting them is much more impressive, but this looks really cool. They both I'm sure look cool, but this is, this is something we've never seen before. And that's, what's really cool. Um, a few other shots, black and white thing. again. We get one of my favorite locations in star Wars. We get, the the location of the Bunta Eve classic uh, where they do the pod racing in the Phantom Menace. So we go back to Tatooine and there's some sort of concert going on there. I, I'm interested to see what exactly that story is. Um, I hope it's more than just a concert, but I mean, that's a cool idea also, you know, there there's musicians. Where's the, where's the finger and Dan and the modal nodes uh, TV show. <laughs> we need their story. That could literally be such a world-building story. They go to all these scum and villainy, villainous uh, uh, cantinas throughout the universe, and so there's a lot of like side characters that end up becoming important in other things, and they're just trying to make ends meet by, in their band, you know, and just playing great music, you know, like that'd be a cool show. I'd watch that. It also be great background music. Um, yeah, and then we see that blonde girl i can't tell if she eats the kyber crystal or what happens uh but i don't does she like fuse with it what's going on there she's got like a pez dispenser in her neck <laughs> that she like becomes a lightsaber this is the thing that i think is cool this is this is like 
cool ways of using things that exist in star wars i just hope it doesn't become too powerful because that that's the stuff i don't like um i just hope it doesn't become too powerful but it's interesting like what's going on in this scene it looks really cool i hope the story is really good to they've got really awesome concepts so i hope the story because i think yeah i I won't even say I think the sequels have phenomenal concepts. It's a great idea there. There's a lot of great ideas in there. It was just the cohesive storytelling that was lacking in them. And unfortunately it's a big problem in them. Um, so I think, I think though, um, cause I think anime storytelling, um, they're very conscious of when they do filler episodes. I think it's like when they do filler episodes in anime, it's so obvious in most animes. I, I won't lump them all together, but in most animes, like it's very obvious when it's a filler episode and it's just so detracted from the main story, but they still try to make it enjoyable and like almost a completely different genre of show. The issue is that that's not why I'm watching it. I'm watching it for the genre, for the show. Um, and the nice thing about these stories is like, obviously none of them are going to be, none of them should be filler because they're only telling one episode per story. So where, where's the filler? <laughs> you know, like if, if you're, if you're, if you, the episode you make, you choose to be filler and it's just a standalone story. Like <laughs> it definitionally like can't be filler. That's just the story you chose to tell. Um, there's some cool hyperspace travel, some cool, uh, running. Um, I think this one shot's really cool with this girl running through the forest, deflecting, uh, blaster bolts with her lightsaber. And then she cuts down the, uh, guy on the speeder. Uh, that looks pretty cool. Um, I don't know what else there is. Yeah. Still that girl. Um, there's these weird like rope lasers. I'm not too sure about that. And that's kind of weird. Uh, maybe we'll interpret them like the whips. Um, Cause that's kind of a thing. Um, may maybe it'll be like that. Hopefully it's like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's a cool trailer. I think it's really cool. It's very exciting. There's a lot going on though. There's definitely a lot going on. I don't think I'm going to like all of them, but I, I think I'll like at least half, which is cool. Um, and hopefully it's the half that everyone else likes. So maybe we'll get to learn more about those characters in that story. Next, let's jump into the Eternals trailer. The final trailer for the Eternals. Um, Eternals comes out in November. Um, let's click that, make sure it's muted. Um, this trailer, we learn a lot. We learn a lot about the story in this trailer. It all, it almost reveals too much, I think. Uh, but, but there could still be quite a few twists and turns. Um, but basically we learn that what the Eternals purpose is. They're here to stop deviants on earth. Um, but it's obviously got to be more than that 
because Thanos is a deviant. And they're specifically asked in this trailer, why didn't you stop Thanos? And they're like, oh, well, we weren't supposed to. We, we could only deal with deviant threats. Thanos is a deviant. So wrong. That's that's you're lying. Um, and so I think it's more specific that they're only supposed to stop deviants from uh, preventing the emergence, uh, which is some interesting event that we'll learn about in this movie that that's going to be the big third act of this movie is the emergence, I guess um, they get their orders from the celestials. We actually get to see two of celestials in this um, trailer, which I think is pretty hype. Um, and then I, I guess also the eternals, they all kind of went their separate ways uh, so what I'm thinking is basically they came to earth 7,000 years ago to protect something um, that was put here by the celestials. Maybe it was the, a new celestial, a celestial birth, a celestial egg. Um, obviously the humans aren't going to do anything with that. And then uh, also, if this is right, I'm sorry for spoiling it, but so be it. Um, but they shouldn't have made the trailer. So obvious then. Uh, <laughs> Um, and so the Eternals are here protecting the egg from deviance. But the thing is, a lot of these human calamities happen. And so I think Gilgamesh is going to be the first one to be like, no, we should help the humans out of these catastrophes. And it's going to be the schism that the rest are going to be like, no, the mission. Uh, we're not supposed to interfere with human affairs unless a deviance involved. Um, unless a deviance evolved going after this egg. And so they're going to have a schism within the Eternals group. And so they're all going to go their separate ways. And then in modern times, they're going to have to come back together because of the events of Avengers Endgame that caused that outputted enough energy to start the emergence so i guess the egg hatching or something um and they have seven days till the emergence which i guess means these this movie will take place in the seven days after avengers endgame is that safe to assume i don't know um and then we see a lot of deviants in this and they look pretty weird and cool um we see everyone kind of use their powers um and the, I think the color will be a big deal because um, if you look at a lot of the deviants, the deviants are kind of rainbow colored. A lot of them are, uh, whereas like all the Eternals powers are yellow, I think, um, even though they're doing different things, we almost always see it as a like yellow light. Um, and the one shot we see with Cersei and this weird object, it's a yellow object, meaning it's probably celestial or something. Uh, which is how the Eternals were created. It's where they get their powers. So it makes sense. It would all be the same color, which I think is a cool idea. I just hope it doesn't become like the movie doesn't become too yellow. You know, uh, fortunately they all wear very colorful costumes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's what's it's going to be about. And we see that scene with Thena talking to, I forget what his name is. Core. Corn core. Um, I, I forget what his name is, but uh, I'm trying to find that spot. Uh, and then 
and so I think that I think Thena will also be one of the first ones in like modern times to turn against her brothers and sisters, the Eternals, because she's going to be convinced by the deviants. Hey, maybe even though the deviants are here just to like maybe fight the Celestials or whatever, the Celeste the the emergence will kill a ton of humans, and the Eternals kind of want to protect the humans even though they're not supposed to. And so they're not supposed to protect the humans because they're supposed to protect the Celestials. And so there's going to be a lot of motivation changing and crisis of faith kind of stuff um, in the group. So I'm interested to see how well that's done because I think it's easy to have a crisis of faith with like one character at a time, but to have the entire team shift ideologies without having like a full-blown civil war in the group, is, is going to be pretty tough as we saw in Captain America civil war, you know, when, when the ideologies shift. Um, so, so that'll be an interesting thing to see how it goes down. Um, but yeah, I, I think ultimately the celestials are going to be the villain of this movie. Um, the deviants will be like all the complications of the movie and then they'll realize, Hey, we kind of want the same thing as the deviants. It'll kind of be like Captain Marvel, to be honest, where they're like, Oh, the scrolls are the bad guys. The scrolls are the bad guys. The scrolls are the bad guys. And then they actually sit down and talk to the scrolls and they're like, oh my gosh, the Cree lied to us. The Cree are the bad guys. Let's work with the scrolls because the Cree are the bad guys. I'm interested to see how similar of a uh, story arc it is without the amnesia factor, of course, um, and Nick Fury singing. How close we get to. Uh, Captain Marvel storyline. Lastly, everyone said the internet would break. I don't think it did, but we have gotten some great memes out of it. Uh, mostly the Hello Peter one. Spider-Man No Way Home. A lot of people have been waiting years for this trailer. And it finally dropped on Monday, Monday evening, I think. Uh, finally dropped after it was leaked. Sunday or Monday morning um, in a very horrible fashion that was just like really ugly and non. I tried, I found it even, and I was like, this is unwatchable. I'm not even going to bother. Um, I was like, A, it could be fake, and B, this is unwatchable. So I was like, I'm not even going to bother with it. it would, I'll watch it when they drop it. Um, plus, then I can talk about it. And I should be clear, this was a teaser trailer. And it's one of the weirdest teaser trailers I think I've ever seen because it does tease things. It does. But teaser trailers typically aren't story driven. They're typically big moment driven. If I don't know if anyone remembers the F9 teaser trailer, but like all the F9 teaser trailer was like a sizzle reel. It was like a bunch of big moments. And then when we got the actual trailer, we got all of the discussions and all the exposition explaining the setup of this movie. Uh, whereas this teaser trailer is a lot of setup. Honestly, I think it's, it's a almost three minute teaser trailer. Uh, it's about two and a half minutes. And I think it's kind of the first 20 minutes of the movie. <laughs> um, 
also when I watched it the first time, I was like, oh my gosh, it's out. And I clicked play. And at the second second marker, Doctor Strange like rotates the this train um in a really cool way. And I like paused it, was just staring at this frame and then rewinded it and <laughs> rewatched it. And I was like, okay, reset. Let's go again. Um so we start with this really weird dialogue between Peter and Zendaya, but cool. They like each other. Yep. It's nice that their relationships surviving Peter's identity being revealed. Uh, Peter gets taken to the police. A lot of people claim that one of these guys in the police station is daredevil. I don't think that's the case uh, because in a previous shot, we watched two people walk in. One guy walks in with a jacket. The other guy walks in without a jacket and that doesn't appear to be Charlie Cox if it, it if it is Charlie Cox's Daredevil. If it's not Charlie Cox, it could be someone it could be Daredevil, just not Charlie Cox's Daredevil. Uh but it but it doesn't doesn't look to be that way. Unless it's a misdirect. Could be a misdirect. It also appears to be a different scene than the scene where the cop is talking to him. Uh because uh in this scene there's two guys with jackets but like i said in the other scene it's a guy with a jacket and a guy without a jacket um also i don't think these guys are just cops they might be like fbi or something uh i'd be curious in theory i suppose they should be from like the superhero registration acts right shouldn't shouldn't they be from the sokovia accords uh, what if it was Ben Affleck's Daredevil? That would be crazy. Dude, that would break the internet. <laughs> that would be nuts. Even though I know a lot of people didn't like that movie, I think that'd be awesome. It would give us an opportunity to have uh, John Favreau as two different characters, Happy Hogan and Foggy Nelson. That'd be great. He could also drink mustard again. Um, nothing wrong with that. Great scene. Uh, uh, we also see someone holding up as Peter's going to school. There's like protests and whatnot. And uh, there's a guy holding up a sign says devil in disguise could be a Mephisto reference. Devil in disguise could also be a daredevil reference. It's got horns in the picture. Daredevil is the devil of hell's kitchen, you know, uh, which is right next door to, to Queens. Uh, no, because the Sokovia Accords are no more with the Snapture. I don't know, though. I'd say maybe with the Blip, they're no more. But like in Infinity War, Ross tells War tells Rhodey to to arrest them, and Rhodey doesn't. But like he was given an order. Rhodey's disobeying an order right there. But like Ross gave him an order. That's the Secretary of State giving a military official representative of the Sokovia Accords an order to make an arrest on the basis of the Sokovia Accords. And Rhodey disobeys the order because he's like, this is Ross doesn't understand what's happening. Um, so, so I don't know if officially they are no more. Um, we know that some of the heroes have kind of backed off their high horse with it, but um, when have I been arguing that? I've been saying that they haven't been enforced, not that they're no more. 
there's a difference. There, there is a definite distinction. And I think we could see uh, with distance from the blip. Obviously, this is Spider-Man No Way Home isn't that much distance. But with distance from the blip, we could see the Sokovia Accords get kind of uh, revitalized and, and reinforced. Um, I, I That's not out of the realm of possibility for me. Um, but until someone makes an on-screen comment saying, oh yeah, they were repealed, I'd say they still exist. It was a huge deal. Literally, they said like 80 nations of the world signed it. That's huge. Uh, so like to say that the law just doesn't exist anymore is a little crazy. I, I don't know. Uh, I think the law still exists. It's all about the enforcement. They decided that maybe they weren't going to be enforcing it during the snapture um, because there were so many problems that they were certainly appreciative of the the help that the what little heroes were left could provide. So they maybe stopped reinforcing it. Um, and then... Uh, but but then now that things are slowly returning to normal after the not immediately after the blip as we see in Falcon and Winter Soldier, but but a couple years after the blip, uh, things will eventually uh, reach a new normal. It's weird talking about new normal in the MCU when there's a lot of people talking about new normal in the real world with COVID and whatnot. But uh, <laughs> uh. But but yeah, I, I think if gain a few years distance from the blips events, I, I think the uh, Sokovia Accords will start being reinforced again. Um, unless someone actually says that they're, they're removed. If the Sokovia Accords are still in effect, then Spider-Man, Wanda, Falcon, and Bucky would all be arrested. So Falcon signed up with the U.S. government. Fal Falcon's a contractor for the U.S. government. Um. And Bucky also, arguably, just without the contract. But uh, he, he's, I guess, working for Falcon for the government. He's part of Falcon's company, I would argue. Um, Wanda, they did try to arrest. Um, the, the government did try to arrest it, but not the... Um, again, though, all, all three of these things, um, Spider-Man Far From Home... Uh, Wanda, Falcon, Bucky. Also, Spider-Man was fighting for the Sokovia Accords, even though he didn't reveal his identity. It's kind of, it's kind of an issue. Maybe he did reveal it in private. I, I guess that's what what we're gonna have to live with in our head canon is that maybe he did reveal his identity in private, um, and the Sokovia Accord people actually did keep it a secret. Um, The, but then they specifically went off the government contract to do vigilante work. Um, it's it's true, it's true, and I, I still go go to saying that we're we're not far enough. All, all three of the things we're talking about, and probably anything that we're talking about, it, anything that certainly gets released this year from the MCU, and maybe some of next year, um, I think it will take place. It'll be set in a time period that is too close in proximity to the blip that there's still so much chaos going on. Um, it's not enough time away from the blip that that there's new established uh, rules and regulations kind of thing. 
Um, that, that that's just what I think. I mean, we'll we'll have to wait and see what comes up. Maybe I'll change my mind, but I, I think the accords still exist. Uh, I just think they're not being enforced. Um, I I mean, I think that's a cool idea. Also, I I think that like from a story standpoint, we introduced the accords. They were a huge deal. And they were a huge deal for a couple of years. And then these other things happen that kind of make it not such a huge deal. And there's a lot more important things going on for like seven years in this universe or however many years it ends up being. And then they're like, all right, now that things are back to normal, certain countries are back in charge, back to the laws. <laughs> uh, because honestly, it just takes like one global catastrophe that's well known for people to be like hey didn't we used to have those those like sokovia accord things like that hero's clearly not abiding by it hmm hmm who are these fantastic four characters that aren't abiding by the sokovia accords even though uh half of the fantastic four did side with the sokovia with the superhero registration act in the comic book but um but something like that like it especially works with like a new hero um i think but uh so you revealed his identity to united nations so what you're saying is that a majority of the conflict no way home could be avoided the un stepped up and said hey he's okay um well no because the issue is still he's being accused of murder right the issue isn't that he's spider-man the issue is that he's being accused of murder because Spider-Man's being accused of murder. Um, right. I think that's the issue. Is that not the issue? Is it, is it more than that? Um, I, also, he didn't reveal it to the United Nations. He revealed it to intelligence people in charge of the Sokovia Accords. You know, like he didn't, he didn't reveal it to presidents of countries, you know? Um, it's like the, uh, do you remember in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. they had the, I don't remember what that thing was called. Was it the Codex or something? The the databank? What, what, whatever the heck that was, that list of Inhumans. List of superheroes, basically. Um, it eventually gets stolen in Inhumans, and that's why making the list is also kind of a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, but it's kind of like that. It's made by intelligence officers. Um, at least I assumed. These are all things I assumed. Um, but yeah, I think that the big issue is that he's being accused of murder. Not, I don't think him being Spider-Man is necessarily an issue as long as it's with the Sokovia Accords. But again, if the Sokovia Accords aren't being enforced, then it's not a big deal. Um, but you know, if he... If now, though, because they even say in this trailer, um, no, it was the drones that killed Mysterio. Yeah, drones that you own because Tony Stark left in his will the drones to you, basically. Um, so, so if Peter owns those drones, then isn't Peter sort of responsible for the destruction of London? Then, yeah, maybe he is a criminal, you know? <laughs> Um, in the eyes of the people, I mean, like the people don't necessarily know, uh, especially with the way Mysterio's vid video is, um, portrays Peter. Um, 
it frames Peter as the aggressor in, in the London incident. Um, and so then, yeah, he's being accused of murder. He's being accused of a ton of property damage um, in London and Prague, probably because they could probably connect that to it. Um, and even wasn't the other one in like Mexico, but I think that was an abandoned village. So uh, that was not as big of a deal. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's those issues, the the murder and the, the destruction of property and maybe other people died in those incidents. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, so he goes to school. He talks about obviously I, I think that's a cool idea that he still goes to school. <laughs> he, he's like, oh, my identity's revealed, but I still got to go to school it, because I, th I think it's a cool shift. Uh, that he's still willing to go to school because in the first movie he's telling Ned, I'm probably never going to go to school again. I'm fighting with the Avengers now. Like I I'm an Avenger. I'm a, I'm kind of a big deal. You know, <laughs> he's a, he's like, I've moved on. I'm not going to go to school anymore. Um, and like, I don't know. It shows character growth that now his life has actually fallen apart and he still goes to school. Good on him. Good on him. Um, but he is actively trying to fix his life. Goes to Dr. Strange. Uh, Wong tells Dr. Strange exactly what he told him in the first Dr. Strange movie. Hey, don't mess with space time. You'll break it. Sure enough. What does Dr. Strange do? Kind of the exact same thing he does in his movie. Oh, if I mess with space time, I'll break it. Well, I'm going to mess with space time. Sure enough. He breaks it. Um, because Peter distracts him during the spell basically um that, that's kind of the way it's made out to be and I, I like that added because it kind of puts it on peter it's his story and so it's kind of his fault you know for this story um rather than it just being dr strange's mistake um and then also it shows like dr strange's growth and power that he probably would have been able to handle it had peter not been messing with him kind of thing uh so so i think it's cool um, it's also a great moment. I, I think it's a really iconic moment from the comics, at least modern comics, um, meaning post 2000s. Um, the one more day storyline, I think it is, uh, where Peter's identity gets revealed during the events of the comic book Civil War. And it ends up resulting in Wilson Fisk contracting Bullseye to kill Peter. The bullet ends up hitting Aunt May. Aunt May dies. And so Peter's like, I need Aunt May back. Everything would have been fixed if I just never revealed my identity. And so Mephisto makes a deal with him, um, basically saying, all right, I'll make sure that no one knows that you're Spider-Man. Um, but you're now no longer married to MJ. And instead, you broke up with her and you're not in a relationship with her. And that whole relationship fell apart. And But Aunt May will live. So... Woohoo! Uh, but I think in the comics once, because I think it may still died years later of like old age, you know. Um, I think she's dead in the comics now. Did she survive that? I don't know. I haven't read the comics in a little bit, but uh, I know she was dying. Um, and there's a lot of talk that with her dying again, that Peter would be able to find MJ again kind of thing, uh, which is kind of a nice, nice little story. But 
uh, very twisted, very twisted. Um, so they break the multiverse. Um, Spider-Man's swinging. We, he also clearly gets a vision, Dr. Strange style, like the ancient one gave to him. Um, he gets pushed out of his body, falls through the earth, you know, classic, classic Dr. Strange, open your third eye moment. Um, and he's also carrying some sort of box that I guess we're speculating has to do with multiversal containment. Um, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's a cosmic cube. It doesn't look very fancy if it's a cosmic cube though. So, um, you had a happy Hogan moment, uh, which is always good. And then we start to get the reveals, um, the big reveals. Um, we get a green goblin pumpkin bomb. I guess technically it could be a hobgoblin one, but everyone's saying it's green goblin one. Um, we also get Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. <laughs> All you need is your aunt to die so you can find love again. Yep, Peter, it's that easy. Hello, Peter. Uh, yeah, Alfred Molina getting probably the most memed thing on the internet right now is Alfred Molina's Doc Ock saying hello, Peter. Um, uh, which is great. Which is great because Doc Ock has some great lines in Spider-Man 2. So even in this teaser trailer, we get one. Um, so in this trailer, uh, we definitely get the confirmation of two villains. We knew about a third, uh, but a lot of people are saying that five, at least five, um villains are there um so i want to talk about that a little bit because i think it's fun to speculate uh so but uh we do see some electro lightning uh <laughs> but for only for very few scenes we don't get to see his full look yet i think they're saving that uh because it's going to be like the doc ock reveal is cool it's cool to see that character back the green goblin reveal didn't even know we were getting it it's awesome uh and then but the Electro reveal, they said they were changing the character quite a bit. So I think that's a cool reveal to save. Whereas the other characters did not change. Um, but uh, in those little shots where we get Electro Lightning, um, there appear to be sandstorms going on also. So maybe Sandman showing up. There's also this one shot where like a creature roars, roars at... Um, spider-man and it's kind of hard to tell what it is but uh looks like it could be the lizard which would be cool uh so that's five sandman doc Ock, green goblin electro lizard now classically spider-man he only fights villains either in like twos or sixes um <laughs> uh, for the sinister six so with those five being there i'm kind of wondering who's going to be the sixth option the ones that i think are like the most likely um, well, I mean, even all the options is like Mysterio, Shocker, Scorpion, Vulture, Prowler, Hydro Man, Rhino, Hobgoblin, and um, Chameleon. Um, but just because all of those villains have been introduced in some way, shape, or form um, in various Spider-Man products. But who do I think are the most likely? <laughs> um I think we'd need more on Prowler before he's going to go full anti-Spider-Man. I think we need more on Hydro-Man 
because all we got is that Hydra-Man now like exists. Some dude fell in like a water plant, water treatment plant or whatever. So Hydra-Man now exists, but that's all we kind of got. That's not a whole lot to make this guy hate Spider-Man. Um, Vulture was actively trying to protect Peter's identity. I'm sure he wants revenge on Peter, but he was actively trying to protect Peter's identity. Uh, Scorpion comes up to him in prison and is like, Hey, I figure, you know who, who the spider guy is. And he's like, don't you think if I knew he'd be dead already, but he does know I need, he's not dead. So sure. He wants revenge, but he, he, he wants it for himself. He doesn't want anyone else reaping the glory, you know? Um, but on that flip side, Scorpion, Scorpion wants to put his head in a dryer is the line. Um, so I could definitely see Scorpion. I think that's the one I'm hoping for uh, because he was kind of a minor villain in Spider-Man one. I guess he'd still probably be a minor villain overshadowed by these five others. Um, but it'd be cool to, to see that kind of line continue with Scorpion. Uh, the other ones uh, shocker. I just don't think he's, that much of a criminal <laughs> he's a criminal but like uh hey mr criminal uh <laughs> uh but he he is he wasn't doing too much stuff and not too personal with spider-man uh rhino i'm specifically talking about the paul giamatti rhino which i don't actually want unless they change it from a mech suit <laughs> um and then either of the versions of Hobgoblin, I don't really want, but um, but they're there, they're options. The other one that I think is likely, um, Scorpion's probably the most likely, but my my number one, number two, Scorpion, and then Mysterio, because I, I still say Mysterio survived. Um, he, he's still alive. Like it's all, his whole thing is illusions, you know, like, so there's no way he's actually dead Let, let's let's go uh but it may not be him and it'd be kind of cool if it wasn't him so that he stays dead for a little bit and then comes back in spider-man 5 or something whatever the heck it ends up being um but it but it'd be cool see i mean jake gyllenhaal's mysterio is awesome so um i i really liked spider-man far from home so i i can't wait for him to come back um but yeah i think i think it'll be scorpion um the the other thing the other person that i want it to be is william ginter riva which is the tony stark built this in a cave bald guy that uh obadiah stain yells at and is kind of the man in the chair for mysterio um i i hope it's him i hope somehow it's him i hope he's number six somehow <laughs> it'd be good it'd be good um but overall, I mean, the trailer is cool. I actually, expectations wise, I actually think the Eternals trailer was more amazing in my opinion. <laughs> when I saw the Eternals final trailer versus this final trailer, like this trailer is cool and it's awesome and I'm super excited for this movie. And I'm still more excited for Spider-Man than I am for Eternals. But my level of excitement trailers are supposed to get you excited for movies and my level of excitement for spider-man was already high and so it only took it up a little bit with that new knowledge of uh green goblin 
and I mean, I'm super excited for that. Don't get me wrong. But like Eternals was like, was like medium high. And now with that final trailer, it's, it's getting up there. It's getting high. And the closer we get to that movie's release, the higher my expectation is going to be for it and anticipation and excitement for it is going to be, but, but Spider-Man's further away and I'm more excited for it. And so it had like the trailer needed to, the trailer, a, it didn't have to do as much work and then B, I don't know. I, I already, we already kind of knew a lot of the stuff in, in the Spider-Man trailer that we're going to be going down. Like, I don't know, but it was cool to see. It was super cool to see. And I'm, I'm happy they, they dropped it. Um, I still think it would have been, uh, it would have been awesome. It would have been awesome. I don't know if there's ever been a movie released in like cinema history to not have a movie trailer. And it would have been awesome if this movie didn't have a movie trailer. That would have been crazy. And the thing is, people would have still seen it. And the word of mouth after first viewings would be crazy. Doc Ock is in it. Green Goblin's in it. And everyone's like, what the heck are you talking about? Um, the other questions I kind of want answered in uh, the near future, or it can just be answered. The movie will have to answer it. That's my point. Um, is how exactly is this multiverse collapsing into itself kind of thing? How, how exactly are we pulling these heroes and villains? So, so I'm going to, I'm going to operate with the assumption that Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man are in the movie. I'm going to operate with that assumption. Um, it's not unrealistic since their villains are in this movie. Um, but are we going to pull Doc Ock from, let's see, Spider-Man No Way Home is approximately going to take place in like 2024 ish. 2024 2025 or something is the doc ock we pull from the toby from the sam raimi universe is that doc ock 17 years older it is is he 2024 version of that character or is he the 2000 what year did that movie come out 2004 is he the 2004 version of that character Actually, I think it's later than that. Spider-Man 2. Uh, 2004. Okay, I was right. Um, yeah, is he the is is Alfred Molina's Doc Ock the 2004 version or is he some 2024 version? Right, like that could be interesting, and it'll change how we look at the character, right? Because he'll have like 20 years of history that we just don't know anything about. The same thing goes for Green Goblin. Is Green Goblin the 2002 version or is he a 2024 version? Also, both characters are characters who were presumed dead. Green Goblin definitely died. <laughs> so how's he coming back? Um, or are we going to pluck him just as the uh, glider comes down to swoop on to Peter Parker, but Peter jumps out of the way and just before it hits Willem Dafoe's Norman Osborn, he gets sucked through a portal and he's gone. And then Peter's like, where did he go? I got to figure out how to go get him. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like both characters were assumed to be dead. Uh, certainly Norman Osborn over Doc Ock um, on like a scale of assumed to be dead. Um, Sandman got away. So there's not too much issue there. Um, Electro, I think, think survived i think he was arrested right electro was just arrested also 
Um, Lizard was arrested. So, so yeah. So, so the main issues are are the Doc Ock and the the Green Goblin characters we always kind of assumed were dead. Um, but I mean, maybe Doc Ock did crawl out of the water. Who knows? But Green Goblin, he's not getting up after that glider attack, you know. So, so it'll be cool to find out where where these characters get plucked out. Um, and then with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, the fact that we're pulling villains from Spider-Man one, Spider-Man two, amazing Spider-Man one, amazing Spider-Man two, assuming it's the same lizard, it could be a different lizard. Um, but let's assume for a moment that we are pulling villains from Spider-Man one, Spider-Man two, amazing Spider-Man one, amazing Spider-Man two, which Peter Parker's are we getting? Are we getting the Tobey Maguire Peter Parker from Spider-Man 1 who hasn't even faced Doc Ock yet? Or are we getting a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man from 2024 who's like in his 50s or something? <laughs> or are we getting a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man that's immediately after Spider-Man 3's events? Uh, he just fought Venom and Harry died and like all that stuff. Where are we getting Andrew Garfield Spider-Man? Did did Gwen Stacy just die for him? He, did he just finish mourning those six months and he's finally decided to be Spider-Man again? Remember, that's how Amazing Spider-Man 2 ended. He decided to be Spider-Man again. Is that where we're at with him? Or are we at the end of Amazing Spider-Man 1? Or are we at the middle of Amazing Spider-Man 1? He doesn't even know who the lizard is. Um, like it, it, It's going to be interesting. Where, where we pulled these heroes and villains from. I, I mean, that that's something I'm very intrigued. I have a feeling we're going to pull them from like positions where we've seen everything basically. So to be maybe Norman Osborn right before the glider. Otherwise for him, I don't really know. Uh, Alfred Molina, I think is somehow maybe the portal will open in the water as he's drowning or something. And so it'll just pull him out of the water. He survives easy peasy. Um, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man to stick in that universe kind of. Uh, I think will be after the events of Spider-Man 3, at least. Um, because I think the idea is to canonize everything, not to canonize some things, right? Maybe. Maybe it is just to canonize, to pick and choose. But but I think it will be to, to do the whole thing. Um... And then the lizard will, the portal will appear in jail. Electro, the portal will appear in jail or something. Um, well, it's really crazy. In Sam Raimi's Spider-Man universe, they killed like all of the villains. Except Sandman. They killed Green Goblin. They killed Doc Ock. They killed Venom. They killed Hobgoblin. Harry Hobgoblin. Sandman's the only one that survives. <laughs> That's funny. Um, whereas the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, they they all get arrested. Lizard got arrested. Rhino broke out of jail. Um, uh, Hobgoblin was arrested. Uh, Electro was arrested. Like everyone gets arrested in that universe. Uh, but I think we'll pull those guys out of jail. Spider-Man post Amazing Spider-Man Two. Uh, should be cool though because they'll all have different advice i think the thing that's the funniest though is even though 
I guess we'll call him main universe MCU. Peter Parker will have the least amount of like tenure as Spider-Man probably, but he'll have the most crazy stories, right? Like far from home is crazy. Uh, Avengers infinity war and Avengers Endgame is crazy. Out of the three of them, he's the only one that went to space. You know, <laughs> uh, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man only interacted with something from space, meaning the Venom symbiote. But like, <laughs> this Spider-Man's been to space, so, so it's going to be weird because he'll be like probably the youngest, and so they'll like want to give him advice, but he's done like the craziest things. But they'll still be able to advise him because it's their villains, right? They're like, hey, here, here's how we need to to break up the, the villain party because that's ultimately how the Sinister Six always get defeated. It seems like they always turn each against each other because of Peter's charisma. Um, so I wonder what everyone else thinks. Uh, I know most people are pretty fond of the, these trailers. Um, I, I hope so. I hope the, the products turn out good. Can't wait to talk about them again. He's the only one that, that did anything with other heroes. Kind of true. Wow. Yeah, that's another thing. All, all the other Spider-Mans were kind of lone wolves, gun, lone gunslingers. We get like one, one scene where Spider-Man and Harry Hobgoblin work together at the end of that movie in Spider-Man 3 where they work together to defeat Venom and Sandman. But other than that, yeah, because other than that, he didn't, he never does. And then Andrew Garfield never does. Uh, wow. That's also big. Yeah, man, <laughs> dude, if Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, and Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man are put in a position to give Tom Holland, Spider-Man advice, they're screwed. Cause like, what are they going to advise him on? They're, they're going to be like, Wait, you guys have a person in this universe that flies around in a metal suit named Iron Man and he died? This purple alien came to Earth and snapped half the universe away and they're back and you killed him? Um, also, there's just a magician standing behind you? <laughs> uh, there, there's going to be so many, so many things that are going to be crazy. Also, who's this Wanda Maximoff chick? No, <laughs> I don't know if she's in the movie. She might be maybe in the end credit scene. Because uh, Doctor Strange's next movie, right? I think. Um, yeah, I think so. And, and so in credits will probably be. Um, I know it's Sony versus Marvel, but do you think in universe they know about other heroes? I, I assume you're saying like, if, if we just focus on the Tobey Maguire universe, um, the Sam Raimi universe, do they know about other heroes? I would say if they exist, they know about them. The question is, do they exist? I, I That's the bigger question. Um, was there a Captain America in their universe? Was there, even if he was only in the 40s, what was there a Captain America in their universe? What was there an Iron Man in their universe? Was there an Incredible Hulk in their universe? Um was there even just a Luke Cage in their universe, an Iron Fist, a Shang-Chi, you know, like, like what about those lower level heroes? Was there a daredevil running around the streets? Who knows? Uh, were there vampires in their universe? I, that's tough. I don't know. Do I think in their universe? I must say 
their universe just doesn't have them. That they were the only superheroes in their universe so far. I'm just going to say that. That's my take. Unfortunately, uh, it's a lonely life. Explains why they were so depressed all the time, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Because they really were in it all alone. Uh, But that's an interesting thought, though. Because, yeah, they could, like... (laughs) <laughs> also like the daily bugle so drastically different um gwenpool <laughs> i hope they didn't know about gwenpool Ho- hopefully that's not the one they knew about um but also the daily bugle so drastically different right like um i could see like toby Maguire's peter parker being like you you know what would help your hero business? You should get a job for a newspaper company like the Daily Bugle or something, some sort of some sort of news outlet. And then this Peter's like, I don't think I want to work for this Daily Bugle. <laughs> they kind of just outed my identity. So and then Toby Maguire Spider will be like, Yeah, they do that, but it's worth it. <laughs> um do they call you a menace? Yeah, they called me a menace too. Uh, <laughs> an insect. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Oh no, I don't have too many other thoughts. Um, I'm kind of just hanging on to see if Ian's got any more comments. I know he he would be on stream um, today. It's not for lack of desire, I hope. Uh, but unfortunately, his internet. Uh, these past few days and also his computer uh, there, there's a, there's a lot of reasons uh, <laughs> he's making excuses but like more than one to where they might be true um yeah his computer crapped the bed his internet crapped the bed he crapped his own bed um i hope toby mcguire's peter can meet the mcu's triple j that that's gonna be big the jk simmons presence i think will be huge uh for this movie it'll be huge um and we see a daily bugle news van uh in one of the trailers so that'll be cool Uh, it'll be interesting to find out what universe that was in and then also we see spidey and mj swinging around um if you think about it this is actually really interesting uh from a chronology standpoint uh, because I was saying Eternals probably takes place uh, in the seven days immediately after Avengers Endgame. Uh, that was the last one. That was your last message. Um, so I can wrap up here. Yeah, but I have another thought. So now we'll keep going. Um, the I lost it. Eternals, they, they have that comment that um, the blip provide enough energy to start the emergence. How long do we have? Seven days. So I'm assuming... As of right now, I'm going to assume that the Eternals takes place in the seven days post Avengers Endgame. The thing that I think is interesting about that is let me pull something up real quick. Um, I don't know if we have it in here. I need to go to the right year. WandaVision takes place only a few months after uh after avengers endgame and then falcon and winter soldier is a few months after that and it's not until that following summer 
that Spider-Man Far From Home takes place, according to my math. And so um, we're ex- I- I'm not counting Loki for right now because Loki's kind of confusing, but uh, <laughs> arguably it takes place in 2012. But from a chronolo- chronological standpoint, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home is the furthest in the timeline, which is really interesting because depending on when Shang-Chi takes place uh, relative to Avengers Endgame, we could have two Spider-Man movies exactly um, consecutive, exactly consecutive in, in the MCU to where Spider-Man No Way Home literally picks up from where Spider-Man Far From Home took to left off. And that's kind of the way one of those scenes looks where they're swinging through while there's a Daily Bugle announcement going on. Maybe that's like a day later or a week later. Like it doesn't seem like that much time has passed. And it would make sense since, you know, he's now a fugitive. You'd think that would start being resolved immediately. <laughs> um because it would start posing a problem immediately. So, uh, although I guess Spider-Man far from home did take place, I think in June. Oh no, it goes up to July. Um, according to my math. Uh, so it goes up to July and school wouldn't start until like September, August or September. Um, so, so it could be a month, maybe a month pass. Um, and then school starts and it really starts ramping up to be a problem. Cause like before he could just hide in his room all the time or whatever, hide in Stark tower. Um, but in Avengers tower, whatever you want to call it, um, before he could just hide. But now that school's starting back up, he's, he's back in the public eye and accused for murder. Yeah. The fact that he's accused for murder, kind of a big deal. You'd think they'd want to wrap this up quickly. Hmm. <laughs> It'll be interesting. That's my final thought, I think. Uh, but I'll be, I, I'm curious about how the chronology fills itself out uh, with where this movie will take place because it appears it'll be immediately after Far From Home. And then, um, but where does Shang-Chi take place? I don't know if we have any clues without seeing the movie just yet. Uh, will be fun, but that's probably where I'm going to wrap this one up. Uh, what are these things? Uh, oh, it looks like, all right. Um, I will set that up in a moment. What is this week? So, so like I said, uh, next week's Wednesday video might uh, might be recording on Thursday. I don't know if it's not on Wednesday, then it'll be on Thursday. They're letting someone accused for murder attend high school. I mean, he's only accused, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he's going to hide. May, maybe the beginning of the movie, they're able to quickly uh, exonerate him. May, maybe they're able to quickly exonerate him. Like, like he gets off. Um, they're, they're able to quickly explain that it wasn't him, uh, that the beginning of the movie, which is during summer there, that's, that's like the, the criminal portion of it. That's like, Hey, 
you're responsible for Mysterio's murder and uh, the destruction in London. And may maybe they're able to quickly explain how it wasn't him. And then he goes to high school and the rest of the movie is just dealing with the fact that his identity is out there. That would, that would kind of tighten up the story a little bit. So that might be what it is. Uh, but that's a good point, Ian, because like someone accused for murder go, still going to high school, you'd think that they wouldn't. But um, but but yeah, that that I I, I like where, where my mind just went is that in the first like 10, 15 minutes, they resolve the Mysterio murder aspect of the story. And then the rest of the movie is just about, hey, Spidey's identity is Peter Parker, kind of a big deal. This kid goes to our high school. Let's bully Spider-Man. <laughs> Nobody bullies Spider-Man, as everyone knows. Um, uh, next week, I don't think I have a new movie to review. Uh, so that means I'll finally get a chance to watch either Jungle Cruise or Old, which I've been really trying to, and it's just been getting kicked back week after week. Uh, so that'll be next week's review, Jungle Cruise or Old. And then don't forget to tune in Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern time on the Twitch, where we will be reviewing something. Um, what if episode three, my favorite episode so far, by a landslide. I'm going to say by a landslide, my favorite episode so far. And then uh, Titans episode five. I was going to say four, but I think it's Titans episode five. I'll be talking both those on Friday. So tune in for that. Uh, I hope everyone has a good week. Um, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, let me see if I can find this before I wrap up. Um Oh, okay. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, if you're on Twitch, I'm going to raid someone to wrap it up, and then I will close out the podcast. Uh, but yeah, so next week, either Jungle Cruise or Old, I'll get to see one of them, and then also Titans and What If this Friday. Tune in for those. If not, I'm Joshua Troop. This is Unanimous Indecision. I'll catch you next time.